Good morning. Um, as we get going, a couple of quick housekeeping things. One of them is, is simply this. You, um, last week we handed these out, our, our covenants, um, for the first time, and I would, I would encourage you to pick one of these up. So um, maybe, maybe you got one and you don't have it anymore or you haven't gotten one yet, but, but, but you should get one. So raise your hand if you don't have one today even. And we'll get some ushers or somebody, um, Heather, thank you, to hand these out. Um, these are our covenants. Um, and the second thing to um, remind you, and this is parents, this is specifically for you, your children will be receiving their own um, covenant forms. And the thought would be that as you work through, um, as you do your work, and I'll explain that in just a second, as you do the work you're doing um, and investigating what God has for you, you would help your kids do this. You would help them walk through this idea of covenant and what, um, what maybe God has in store for them. Because the goal for, for each of you, parents and children, um, everybody in this room, is found on your little, your little um, side flap here, is that we're going to write a prayer. You're going to write your own prayer about what God is, is, is working on in you for the year of 2013. Well, it just says this. Pray and ask the Lord to speak to you the areas in which he'd have you grow in 2013. Write a prayer to the Lord asking him to give you his Holy Spirit power to grow you in 2013. And then we've even started it for you. Um, you have all the tools you need. So our covenant theme this year is growing in grace. Growing in grace. And, and key to that understanding of covenant is the recognition that we're not making anything new. We're not making a new covenant. We've got a covenant. The new covenant through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That covenant is in place. What we're seeking to do is to invite the Lord to help us live into that. What does it look like to live like a people under a covenant of grace? I got that? What does it look like? To live like a people under a covenant of grace. Last week we talked about receiving grace. And so that the first step um, would be to actually um, step into this covenant and say, I, I receive this. I receive this grace of Jesus Christ. This, this one-way love. This, um, this sacrifice on the cross for my life. For my sins. That's the first step is stepping into this covenant of grace. Um, and then the rest of it all, it all flows from that. It flows from the cross, from what Jesus has done for us. And so this week, we want to ask ourselves, how, how can I grow? How can God grow me? How can he, in other words, you might think about here, is transform me? If I'm going to follow Jesus, what is that going to look like? Is my life going to be different? And if it is, How? How am I going to grow in his love and in knowledge of him? And so that's what we're focusing on this morning, growing in grace. Our gospel passage is, is um, very telling. And if you, if, if you do anything, I, I, would just, I, would leave, I would hand this over to you, is find that passage in Mark. And it's printed on your Sunday news, the, the verses. I don't have them right now. But find that passage in Mark at, not as you're praying over your covenant. And, and read through it and, and ask yourselves these questions. Lord, where, um, where, where is the good soil in my life? What, what is going really well? What are you really um, gifting me in? And, and, and have a good knowledge of that. But then ask the hard questions. Where are there thorns? 
What areas of my life are choking your grace and choking your word? Where am I being challenged and persecuted? Where is Satan coming in and sweeping up the seed that you've planted in me? Ask yourself those hard questions as you, as you pray through this thing and, and think through what it means to grow in grace. And so in light of that, in the light of that challenge that God wants to plant his seed on good soil and wants it to spring up inside of us, let's ask this question this morning. How's he going to do that? You know, that's, that's a great idea, and I could say, stand up here and say, yeah, let God grow you. And y'all could, you know, say, okay, and I could send you out, and you have no clue what to do or what was next. What does that mean? If I say, let God grow you, how's he going to do that? Well, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians, a very challenging passage, but one that really helps us to understand um, how we grow into this new covenant, what that, what that means for our lives. And so what Paul is doing here and what we'll, what we'll see is he's basically saying um, there, there's these two covenants. There's an old one and there's a new one. And the old one is going to bring your death and the new one is going to give you life. The old one will bring death, and the new one will give life. And, and as, we, as we work out our lives, we basically are going to, you know, we have one of these two paths to, to follow. One is a new covenant of grace, and another one is an old covenant where we are um, striving on our own, where we're ignoring God and trying to prove ourselves, or trying to live up to other people's expectations of us, or trying to live up to our own expectations of ourselves. That is an old covenant of works where, where, where God's love depends on what we do. But a new covenant of grace given to us in Jesus Christ, is, it doesn't depend on what we do. It depends on what God has done, what God has done in Jesus Christ. And so Paul here is reflecting on these things, and he's reflecting on his ministry, and he's saying, um, we want to be new covenant people. We want to be ministers of a new covenant. And so in in 2 Corinthians, he is defending his ministry. He's got people coming to him and saying, you're not a very good apostle. You're telling people this message of grace. You're not telling them they have to do things or to work harder or to live the right way to be in God's love. You're saying that that stuff doesn't matter. And Paul's defending that. He's saying, yeah, you know, you're right. This is a new covenant. I'm a new covenant minister. Let's just step back, if you will, he's saying, and let's compare these two covenants and see what God has in store for us. Because what Paul suggests then is that this old covenant that is, you know, the law is pure and holy and good. These are good things. We simply cannot follow them. We cannot obey them. It is beyond our capacity in and of ourselves because we are sinful people. And so, think about um, your life. Have you been um, the moral and upright and holy person that God is calling you to be? I'm not talking about being good enough. I'm talking about being perfect and holy. Because that's the requirement. If you're going to stay in an old covenant, you've got to be perfect and holy or it's not going to work out so good for you. But if you want to grow under a new covenant and receive the grace of God, um, well, let's see what happens. So, we're in 2 Corinthians. Maybe you've got a Bible. Chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
verse 7, and here's what hap- is happening. Paul, like I said, he's defending his new covenant, his grace ministry, and he's comparing it to the old covenant, and specifically he's looking at Exodus chapter 34. And what happened in Exodus chapter 34? Moses went up on the mountain, he got the Ten Commandments, and he brought them down. This is the, um, the epitome of the nation of Israel receiving the law, receiving the things that they need to do to be God's people. And so Moses brings them down. He has seen the glory of the Lord. And when he, when he comes down with these tablets of stone, his face is radiant. It is radiant. The glory of God is shining from his face so much so that the, the Israelites cannot even look at him because of the glory of God shining on his face. They cannot even look at him. So what does Moses do? He gets a veil. He covers his face. It is too glorious for him to walk around with everybody, and so he covers it up. And then every time he goes back to meet with the Lord, he lifts the veil and he receives God's glory again. But when he leaves, he covers his face up. It is too much. It is too much for an unholy people to even see the reflection of God's glory in Moses' face. And so he covered it with a veil. And what Paul goes on to do is he uses this veil to show us that this old covenant is fleeting. It's passing. It is nothing compared to the glory of the new covenant to come. It is nothing compared to the glory of Jesus Christ. And so, right before our reading, um, we see this. Paul writes, The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. And he goes on, he's telling us about the superiority of the new covenant. So let's read this, uh, verse 7. If the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Um, And so he goes on, and it's a little confusing. But what he's saying is this. So Moses came down from the mountain. He had the law, and this covenant was so glorious that they could not look at him. They could not look at him. But in trying to follow these commandments and trying to please God, they couldn't do it. And so it was a ministry of death because they could not be holy as God requires them. And so if Moses' law brought so much glory that he could not even be looked at, that he had to veil his face, how much better is the glory of the new covenant in Jesus Christ, which doesn't bring death, but brings life? Do you see that? If the law was so glorious that Moses had to cover his face, and even that led them to death, even that was not enough, how much more glorious is this new covenant of grace, this new covenant of Jesus Christ. Why? Why Why this difference between the old and the new? Well, well, there are two things about the old, one of which is the law, um, the oughts and shoulds, the things we need to be doing to be good people, if you will, um, it doesn't give us the power to accomplish what it commands. Do you see that? It doesn't give us the ability to do what it commands of us. It leads to death because we simply cannot do it. But the new covenant, 
gives us the Spirit. Gives us the Holy Spirit. Through the power of Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. And then we can live faithfully. Not all the time. We're going to mess up. But we are given the ability to live and to grow and to know the love of God in the new covenant. And so this old covenant is um, it's inferior. It cannot give us the power. It cannot give us um, the grace of Jesus Christ. And so it's a fading covenant. It is going away. And the new covenant has been um, revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And so we move on. Um, we go to verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that Israelites might, might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened for this to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. So the next point that Paul is making is, first of all, the new covenant is superior to the old, and then the ministry of the new covenant is superior to the ministry of the old covenant. Paul is saying, look, we are bold, right there in that first verse, oh, it's verse 12, I think, we are bold because we have hope. You see that there? Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We have this life of the Spirit, this new covenant, this grace of God. And because we have that, we can be bold in our ministry. We can be bold in proclaiming Jesus. We can be bold in receiving the grace of God and growing and knowing what it means to follow Jesus. Moses couldn't be bold because he could see it. He knew that the glory was fading, that his face would only be radiant for so long because, like I said, the law could not accomplish what God was commanding. And so this covenant was dying. It was dying. But this new covenant, we have boldness to proclaim glory, to proclaim hope, to proclaim salvation in Jesus Christ. So we have these, these two covenants and these two ministries. The, the, if you're proclaiming the old covenant, the only thing you can say is try harder. Try harder. And so what would that be like if you came into my office um, and confessed your deepest and darkest sin? You know what it is. Now imagine walking into my office or Mike's office or John's or even to your friend's house and confessing that. What if the only thing I could tell you was, well, you should try harder next time? Where is that going to lead you? Down a road of despair and death, because you'll try harder and chances are it's not going to work. And then it won't work again. And at what point do you just give up? Do you see that, that old covenant road? But if you could come into my office and you could confess that sin, and I can say, like I just said, just right up here, I said, you are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. What is that? Boldness and hope. And you're going to walk out of here today and you're going to say, God has forgiven me. There's freedom in that. Paul uses that word. There's freedom to go out then and to love God and to serve God because you know he loves you. There's freedom in that. And so we read on to verse 16 because... Um, 
this old covenant, Paul, he said that sort of death and despair we we're talking about is veiled. Like you can't see Jesus, you can't know his love because you have a, a veil over your heart. But when you turn to him, verse 16, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see how that works? We're living life under the old covenant and we're trying and we're striving and we're failing and then we turn. We turn to the Lord. The veil, if you will, is is removed. It's gone and we behold... God. We behold Him in His glory. And then what happens? So we're talking about growth. What happens when we behold God? Simply beholding, we are being transformed into the same image. We're being transformed into the very image that we are looking at. So how are we to grow or to look at the image of God? We're to behold Him there on a cross. Behold. It's not some of Jesus' last words. He looked at His mother Mary and He said, Woman, behold your son. And so this covenant month and this idea that we're going to grow in grace um, starts and ends with beholding, if you will. With inviting God to remove the veil from our faces and beholding the glory of our Lord Jesus on the cross. That's, what, that's how we're going to grow. That's how He's going to change us, is if we continually behold Him. Are we going to mess up? Absolutely. Absolutely. What did Luther say, though? He said, sin boldly. Not on purpose, but when you sin, you can sin boldly because you know you have forgiveness in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so now, then, where does, this, where does this come in? So we're talking about growing in grace and beholding the Lord. And if you, if you have your covenant then, um, there's a couple of things here that, that it says you might try. Um, personal prayer and study and worship are the, the two that are highlighted on here. There's certainly more, maybe small groups, um, which is probably included in personal prayer and study. Um, small groups, Sunday morning worship, Bible reading, all of these things. But here's the catch, Okay. Because some of you now, even now, you're starting to think like old covenant people again. Like, oh, okay, I can do this. So I'll just start praying and then I'll start growing. No, that's the old covenant. We're talking about creating space for beholding. Creating space for seeing God. I don't know what that's going to be for your life, but time and time again, things like these have proved that they are where God meets us. Maybe it's the women's retreat here in a few weeks. Creating that space in your life to behold the glory of God. Maybe it's the men's hike in April. Creating space to behold the glory of God. Maybe it is personal daily devotion. That's, that's one thing that, um, that is very challenging to do. Even for me, it's challenging. But when I do it, I don't feel like I've accomplished something. I feel like I've seen the Lord. And I know that seeing will transform me. And when I'm transformed 
And when we as a community, as St. Paul's, when we're transformed, when we behold the Lord and we go out into Somerville, we won't go out there with veiled faces. We'll go out there with unveiled faces. And people will see us. And they'll see Jesus Christ in us. And then they will behold the glory of the Lord. You see that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you've called us to spiritual growth, to know you and love you and serve you um, closer and closer. And we know, Lord, that the way you've called us to do that is to behold you, to gaze on you with unveiled faces. I pray, Lord, that you would create the space in our lives that we may do that. Help us to put the distractions of this world aside um, and to gaze upon you and to be transformed by you. I pray, Lord, that when we leave this building here today that we would not put our veils back on, but that we would encounter this world with unveiled faces, revealing your glory and your power and your majesty. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.